0: Catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.
1: Against the backdrop of a global recession, growing economic inequalities and the climate crisis, education has been greatly impacted across Africa. This year, 2023 marks the midpoint since the United Nations adopted the 2030 Agenda for People, Planets and Prosperity with a set of 17 goals that will come up for review at the SDG Summit in September 2023 on the theme of investing in people. The International Day of Education this year calls for maintaining strong political mobilization around education and charting the way to translate commitments and global initiatives into real action. Education must be prioritized to accelerate progress towards all the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, and to enable us to fight the many crises that plague us from a recession, To growing inequalities and climate change in this chat today is an educator and administrator with over two decades experience who is passionate about what and how students learn especially children from birth to five years she's the director of the maryville school a strong advocate of the early years and foundation stage of proper development and learning and the national coordinator of the international school teachers and directors association in nigeria Juliana Odekian. How are you doing today?
0: Thank you, Anthony. Thank you.
1: Beautiful. And Hello, Karen. Yeah. And our second guest is an independent educational consultant who promotes creative and critical thinking through digital tools with a successful 29 year career as a classroom teacher and a director of academics. We have Karen Wallstra. Hi, Karen. How are you doing today?
2: Hi Tony, hi Juliana, I'm so excited to be chatting about this topic. It's something which I really think we need to prioritize and encourage people to explore and to see how we can really find solutions. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: How much really have we recovered from the losses of the Covid pandemic? I would start with Mrs Juliana and then you know Karen.
0: Okay, concerning recovering from Covid-19, I would say that lots of schools then um, come to embrace the use of technology i.t and technology i'm actually running a program in the university of lagos and when our lecturers are not able to come into the class physically we have our classes virtually in so many other schools like in local State, two days have been declared walk free for people to get their pvcs and um, schools so many of the schools are actually running online because the private ones that i know on our platform are running their schools online tomorrow and next However, we still have a whole lot of schools out there, most likely maybe because of poverty level. Of course, if you're talking about the SDG, the poverty is number one, no poverty. Okay. And we still have a lot of people within that category and sincerely providing things other than food is a whole lot of challenge. So in terms of Education that schools who have been able to cross that challenge of providing IT hybrid learning, you know, to their children, they have evolved. But we still have a whole lot of people below that level, meaning the impact of COVID is even much more than we can even imagine. Because since COVID, there's been a lot of changes, a lot of inflation coupled with the fact that Ukraine and Russia are still at war, and so many other challenges, you know, economic factors as well, has also further dealt with people who are grappling, you know, with poverty. And So, it's, I think it's a very tough one since after COVID, and I think it will take the grace of God for us to also really come out of that backlash. Thank you.
1: Uh, Okay, thank you. Um, Karen, what do you think? Have we really recovered?
0: I really don't
2: think so. I do think it differs from school to school because I think, as Juliana was saying, there were some schools that carried on as normal and their children excelled, but the vast majority of schools didn't. And if I'm listening to what teachers are saying right now, there are teachers who are saying they've never seen children with worse reading abilities or math skills and their children have just lost years of work. And so I really think that we're going to see a long-term impact on how the pandemic has impacted children individually. And I really think it's going to have a huge consequence moving forward.
1: Now, let's look at access to education. Staying with you, Karen. how do you think we can prioritise access to education you know, in Africa, using um, South Africa as an example.
2: I think the whole question around access to education is a really complex one. If we look across the continent, the millions of children don't access education or who don't complete education, they might begin it. So if we look at the numbers across Africa, we will see that a large percentage of people actually start schooling. But the percentages of children who finish is quite small if we look at the total number. And so for me, how do we prioritize that? Is one, are our governments putting enough resources into it? And if they have budget, are they prioritizing the budget to actually get into the right spaces? If we look at devices, if we look at... Internet connectivity, if we look at infrastructure as a whole, um, both within South Africa and across the continent, that alone needs a lot of work. And then if we look at how many children actually have access to devices, the number percentage-wise is also really small. And then we've got teachers. We don't have enough teachers. And when they start looking at the, the UNESCO's 2022 report is saying that By 2050, which sounds like a long time away, but South Africa would need 9 million more teachers. Teachers, where are we gonna find those number of teachers just to accommodate with the number of children that are going to need schools? And then when they talk about buildings, those numbers are astronomical. So access is really difficult. I think we could start really small by looking at each community and saying to the community, How are you ensuring that your children who are in your small space are actually getting access to school? Because if each community tried to make sure that their children have access, I think that would have a really strong impact. If we think about the impact of saying girls need to leave school to look after siblings or other reasons. If the communities got together and said, how do we support those children so that they can go to school? How do we help support the younger children so that they're in care, so that older children can go to school and not have to be babysitting younger children? If we look at all of these things, which are really, really complex, but as smaller groups and as communities, perhaps we'll begin to see a greater impact. Because I don't think communities actually realise the value of sending their children to school. A friend of mine did her studies years ago in relation to Zimbabwe, and she looked at the impact of educating women in the agricultural sector and the benefit that had on the children in that community. And so if we start educating our children, particularly our girls, more, I think that we will then have better access because the communities will realize the benefits. The other access that the results have, if there is access to it, is better responses to health and health care. And it all boils down to knowledge. And so I really believe it's saying to governments how are we empowering small communities to actually access and grow so that those children will have access to education. I think it's saying teachers going into rural areas, encouraging that. And we don't just have the good teachers in urban areas. And so how is the money being used by different governments to really benefit the children in the most disadvantaged areas of our communities?
1: So from funding to government support, to the need for teachers and the community effort too. So these are like, you know, the things that you, you, you've mentioned. Sub-Saharan Africa has about 40% of all the out-of-school children. And Nigeria is, I think, either the second or the third when it comes to children who are out of school. That's these children lack access to education. Why do you think that... A lot of Nigerian children are out of school. And do you think it has anything to do with the quality of education in the schools itself? This is for Juliana.
0: In fact, the exact figure is twenty million out of school kids in Nigeria as of October twenty twenty two last year. I can tell you for free that the number in school still does not guarantee that the children have access to quality education. Mm. Yes, because the truth is, we're still assessing the student's capability through only exams. That is, we're not looking at skills acquired, what they're able to do after there's so many years of learning and going to school. We still is so much exam-based country, we use that to assess the children. So you'll find out that even for the children who are in school, we're not even guaranteed of equality education however i know that some state governments have been in the fore. Lagos state especially there is also edu excel that i think baiosa is also trending as well in providing education to every child or every student that is ready to learn of course I know years back in Lagos State, it was a rule that every child must be enrolled in school and the government is trying, actually, in providing education and even as far as pay the teachers well to ensure that, you know, they keep these children in school. But the major snag is are the parents able to provide the resources, the tools that the children will need to excel? And you find out that even after school, The children, you know, get back home. Especially if you go through this Agege area, so many other rural areas around Nigeria, as soon as the children are out of school, they go out hawking, selling things on the street or they're doing one chore or the other, not giving them time to even rumage on what they've learned during the day. So the truth is, we're still laid back in terms of proper, I'm looking at it now, from the point view of Is it a quality education? Is it what the children need to survive, to be able to survive in this ever-evolving world? We have blackouts every second of our lives here in Nigeria. No light. Can we get a solution to the problems that we're having here? So these are the things that quality education should question and should solve. So it's not just a question of access to education, but access to quality education. The first step, which way I would like the government to address. And the second step is those who are in the business of grooming the children to become problem solvers. Are they themselves creative? Are they critical thinkers? And yes, I know because of the poverty level in the country, teachers are not properly remunerated. It schools to organize trainings for their teachers so that whenever they go into a classroom, we are sure that the children are going to come out fulfilled. the We are sure that the children are going to come out loaded and also motivated to do more. So The teachers are there and then our parents are also there. There must be a partnership between the school, the parents, and then the society in growing a total child. A child who will eventually become a responsible adult, useful and reliable, okay? So we also have the parents there. Many of our parents are too busy support our kids. For me, as a parent, I quit my children's school. Yes, I do that a lot. I question it. These are the things I want. But the first step is, most parents don't even know what they want. They don't even have an ambition for their kids. They don't even learn learning and what they will eventually grow up to become. Okay, So most times it becomes too late before parents begin to scream, oh, I didn't get value for my money. But an intentional parent knows what he or she wants for her child okay, and begins to demand for it. And then if it's not, you can get value for your money and your time. So the truth is, we have a whole lot. The child is there waiting for the society to motivate him or her, waiting for the school to provide access to quality education, waiting for the teacher, and also waiting for my parents to provide me with the resources, with the tools required for me to excel. We are asking parents to prepare their kids for the 21st century challenges. the 21st century jobs these days are usually done online. They're done online. A lot of people are doing remote work. Some are doing hybrid, some are online, on site. A lot of jobs are online. So we're not preparing our kids for those things. We're not providing them with the right tools. A school has given an assignment and I said, when you get home, go to the internet, do a research on this, that, that, that. And the next thing you're hearing is who is going to pay for the data, who is going to pay for the self for the internet facility. You understand? So it's a whole lot of problem, sincerely. It's a whole lot of problem. And I'm not looking at it from just access to education, but to quality education. Are the children getting the kind of education that would help them to survive no matter what the challenges are?
1: Uh, Wow okay thank you very much for that. Um, Karen would you want to speak to how to ensure that you know the education received is not just accessible like it's relevant and you know can also enable those who receive that education to solve future problems, future crises and enable them be better prepared for the future that awaits them?
2: I think I agree completely with what Juliana said there is such a shortage of quality education, and I think when we go back to what we spoke about just now about the number of children leaving schools, yes, they're often negative circumstances. But some of the teenagers just feel, while wow, they're on devices, they might, some of them might even have their own YouTube channels that they are doing. They're on TikTok creating videos, and yet within the school space, it's completely denied. So, as teachers, how are we becoming lifelong learners? How are we actually encouraging ourselves to continue learning? And I think as a teacher in the classroom, if we are teaching the way we were taught, we should really stop teaching because the world has moved much further than that. So, how are we exploring the new technologies within our own lives so that we can be examples to our students And so that the lessons that we teach can be exciting and that the children are interested in what we're doing. And then relating it, like Juliana said, and you mentioned as well, Tony, in the beginning, how do we relate it to the real world? How do we make learning meaningful? So when the children are solving problems, are we giving them problems that are just sitting in a textbook? Or are we giving them problems which will become something that the community will say, wow, the children in this class actually helped us solve whatever problem it was. So giving the children the skills and the desire to actually go in and go and create solutions which will have long-term impact. How the engagement within the classroom is taking place. That it's not just rote learning. We're looking at alternative assessments so that the children are actually encouraged to think critically and creatively. How are we teaching children to be reflective on what they've learned so that they can really improve their knowledge and move forward? So really teaching them to be analytical thinkers. And this doesn't mean that we only start this when children are in high school. We should be teaching this way all the way from tiny little children. If you think about a young child before they go to school, they are curious, they are creative, and they have their own mind. And we pop them into school and within a school term, they've become these little souls who just say yes to the teacher and never question. As teachers, we have that power. And so we need to say to teachers, how are you really empowering your students to cope in the world of the future? How are you giving them those skills? What are the 21st century skills that you are developing? How are you building digital skills into your everyday curriculum and into every single subject that you teach? How are you making the children excited for school so that when they go home, they're really excited and the parents will say, oh, we need to keep our children in this space because look how much they're learning. And so the responsibility in lots of ways should be with the teachers. But I agree with Juliana. The same responsibility relies with the parents. The parents should be saying, I'm not happy with this. We need to improve this. And at the same time, we're putting pressure on the schools so that there will be results. Because if everybody starts saying there should be a priority in terms of education and the priority should be getting the children to cope and we're all feeding into the space, I'm sure we begin to see much greater success than we are at the moment.
1: We've mentioned that uh, during the pandemic lockdown, a lot of schools went the route of using technology. And I wanted to just ask now how, you know, technology can be used to support access and quality. But at the same time, my thoughts, you know, would also go to the fact that a lot of the people who really need this education a lot of people who really are out of school children may not exactly have access to the kind of technologies that are very popular now i know during the pandemic lockdown in nigeria for example school went from classroom to radio and tv maybe this might just be like an option maybe we need to get back you know this method but what do you think karen and juliana
2: so, if you think about technology and the impact it could have, I think that if you say television and radio, the disadvantage is it's a one way communication. So, how are we then teaming that with another technology that it can become interactive? So, imagine, for example, Tony, or maybe you've got it already while you are live on air there's a whatsapp chat group that people can be feeding comments to you directly and so if we use that kind of thing within the broader base of television and radio that at the same time as your one-way broadcast which could be highlighting new technologies and exposing young people who don't have access to education to those technologies and still be engaging with them in a medium that they have access to could really be beneficial but i also think that there are other ways in lots of spaces in there are wi-fi hotspots that are free imagine if the government introduced legislation or suggested that for every advert there had to be links that are provided during these free wi-fi hotspots of free courses that are online to be teaching young people. So people who've perhaps fallen out of school will suddenly get a pop, say these are all free courses on and showing them digital skills or other types of skills that could help them become skilled to be, to get jobs. And then if we think of our schools, Yes, there are areas where there's no technology, and perhaps that's one of the main focuses, we should say to government where they should be spending, is how they're actually getting devices and connectivity into those spaces. You spoke about teachers not having money in terms of attending professional development, but perhaps government should be using some of their budget to help teachers to go and get trained. So for me, in terms of the access, it's saying, How do we actually get people to start thinking broader than just conventional schooling or traditional schooling? How do we get people to realize that the need is beyond the children that are just in the schools? And so how do we upskill the school space so that those children can really grow, but how do we also reach the children who have dropped out of the schooling system and are now in a space which is really complex and difficult? And get them to realise the value of becoming skilled and helping them, therefore, to get jobs.
1: Hmm, that's a very interesting angle, especially the example of using WhatsApp, for example, and a TV and a radio. You know that that actually works well. You know to ensure that there is that two-way communication. Juliana, what do you think about this? And what are your thoughts around this?
0: Okay, so in terms of TV and radio use, like Karen rightly said. It's a one-way communication. I really, I don't even buy into the idea of doing that sincerely because still we still have to look at access to light, electricity, to power TVs and radios in this part of the world. For me, we should focus more on the government providing accesses to schools and even the communities, especially for communities where parents can't afford and then even schools as well too. Can't afford to run such internet-based classes where the children can interact, ask questions, etc. Then interact with their teachers online. Then I also think that the government can as well partner with ISPs as internet service providers to ensure that connectivity gets to every nook and cranny of the country. That is, if we rule out insecurity, of course, to the farthest ends of our communities in Nigeria and other countries in the world so if partnership can be made with these service providers I'm sure that it will go a long way to provide access to everybody who needs access to quality education
1: Uh, and just as we wrap up slowly if you're asked why we need to prioritize education in a time like this what would your response be
0: Very important for us to prioritize education now because, number one, education is not just about cramming five and the rest. It's actually about illumining the mind, helps you to realize challenges we have and solutions to those problems as well. It helps you to become a confident person. It helps you to become bold. It helps you to have a plan For the future, the challenges that of course are cropping up every day. It gives you that boldness to say, okay, I can solve this problem and I can be creative about issues and be able to solve them. So it's very important that we prioritize education now, not just for acquisition of knowledge or facts, but for us to be able to survive this ever-changing world, be able to survive, be able to carve a niche for yourself. to be able to solve problems that arise every moment of one's life and also to be able to predict what could happen in the nearest future and then you begin to prepare ahead for it. So basically for me, it's a period where we should prioritize education. The importance of education can never, ever, ever be emphasized. And I hope that within the shortest period of time, the government will begin to focus more on our education. Unfortunately, year in, year out, the budget on education is usually one of the smallest fractions, which may never be actualized in the whole year. So we're hoping that as government, as parents, as schools, we prioritize educating our kids properly so that they're able to, because they will take over from us. And if they are not properly groomed to take up the reins from whoever is governing now, we might end up crashing someday.
1: I hope we don't get to that level. I hope so too. I really hope so. Karen, why do you think we need to prioritize education in a time like this?
2: Because our world is changing so fast. If we don't get our children to cope within a digital space, we're really putting them at a disadvantage. If we look at the development of artificial intelligence and what's happened just in the last month in terms of academia and education, and all the questions that are happening now because of artificial intelligence. Most schools are not even aware of it. You speak to teachers and it's something they haven't even considered. Yet this can really, really impact our children. So how do we consider that? Is we must prioritize education. Education is so important to make sure that our children succeed in the world of the future. We need to make sure that our teachers upskill themselves We need governments to really buy in and say how are we really going to benefit our children in every possible way and in a meaningful way, not just in words but really in actions.
1: Okay, thank you very much. So your wish as we celebrate International Day for Education, Karen and then Juliana?
2: I wish that every child would just love the classrooms they're in. That they would be learning really new and exciting things and that teachers would be caring, kind, and willing to learn that they themselves are growing all the time. And I think it's possible. We've just got to change our
0: mindset.
1: Mm, beautiful. Juliana?
0: Okay. That sounds like a point, Karen. I think I like that. I wish we had a world full of passionate teachers where the children's concern comes in first that is their service above themselves, comes first. They don't see the teaching job as just a means to an end, rather a passionate thing, and they do everything possible in their power to ensure that their kids get the right trainings and the lessons. I also wish that our government, especially in Africa, would wake up to the reality of life, to the realities of an ever-evolving world. That is, we've moved away, millions of years away from what our culture used to be. And we need to move on to the new narratives, the new mindsets, the newness of the world. We need to embrace it and break up from our tradition. I'm not saying the tradition is not useful, but there are some things that we need to let go and move on ahead in life. I also wish that we have parents who would always put their children's interests first before their own selfish interests and also wish that every child will be happy and smile one day that they've got the best gift that anyone could ever give them in life. That's my wish and I hope that it comes true soonest.
1: Thank you very much for sharing your thoughts with me. I really appreciate this. Juliana Odekian, thank you very, very much.
0: You're welcome.
1: And thank you to Karen Wallstra for sharing your thoughts too. Thank you for always, you know, both of you answering the call anytime I reach out to. Thanks, Anthony. It was great chatting.
2: Nice meeting you. you, Juliana. Yeah. Yeah, same
1: here Karen. Thank you. I've been speaking to the National Coordinator of the International School Teachers and Directors Association in Nigeria, Juliana Odekhan and an independent educational consultant based in South Africa Karen Wallstra. Only lifelong education starting in the earliest years in life can break the cycle of poverty, improve health outcomes, prepare people for decent jobs with opportunities to reskill and upskill, and even mitigate the current climate crisis. Now all citizens, governments and partners must be held accountable for their commitments. We need to translate commitments into action and strengthen the capacities of policymakers, teachers, and educators to make education truly transformative. We need to also invest in people and prioritize education to help reduce the impacts of these crises and build a society that is better prepared to handle the crisis of the future.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.